Welcome to the Poster Spy official podcast. I'm Jack Woodhams, founder of the website and your host. This episode's guest is illustrator and co-founder of Vice Press, Matt Ferguson. Matt's probably best known for his Marvel artwork, which he produces in partnership with Disney. Alongside that, Matt has created official posters for a number of huge franchises including Star Wars, Stranger Things, The Lord of the Rings, Blade Runner, Indiana Jones, and many, many more. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit our Patreon, where you'll unlock extended versions of every single episode and a whole lot more. Simply head to patreon.com slash posterspy. Hi Matt, thank you so much for joining me on the Poster Spy podcast. Yo, Jack, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, thank you. It's uh, It's been a nice few days. The week has been nice and warm, which is odd for October. It's a little bit scary, actually. Uh, well, it's because it, uh, we're experiencing the end of human civilization. So <laughs> it feels like it at times. <laughs> yeah, it's a disaster movie happening in slow motion. Well, so thank nobody you. realizes, do they? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're all just going in blindly, right? <laughs> yep. So I've known you for a long time now, Matt, and it seems weird because this is actually the first time we've had a chat like this. I think we spoke for a while at your show in Leeds. And yeah. then since then, it's like been on and off little chats, you know, we've helped each other out with various things. But this is like the first time we've had a chat. Yeah, well, you didn't do a podcast before and I've been busy. So that's, <laughs> that's true. It's taken me a long life, time to do this. Yeah, it's taken me so long to do this. For ages, people have said you should do a podcast. But I, I it just, I don't know. One, it was like a confidence thing. I was like, am I going to be any good yeah. at this? And then two... Yeah, well, you, you get better as you go along. That is true. So your podcast is about posters, but also industry and uh, design and covering all the bases, is it? Yeah, essentially. I, I want to kind of make this podcast a bit open in terms of you don't have to be a poster designer to enjoy it. You could be someone that's just interested in graphic design in general right. or movies. And I would so like I could to... just talk about Star Trek for an hour and we'll just forget everything. Else. You could, but I don't know anything about Star Trek. So Well, here, here comes the education, mate. So by the end of this podcast, I'll walk away with like a Star Trek degree yeah. and everyone else, no one will know anything about your posters. Who cares anyway? Star Trek's where it's at. <laughs> well, it is honestly really nice to sit down and chat with you because yeah. even when we did your book, so that's something that I think not a huge amount of people know, but you know, I worked on the book for you for your, your yes. show. And we didn't even talk then. That was all just Facebook Messenger, which yeah, is weird just, thinking about it. That's how a lot of work is nowadays, though. There's so many people I work with that I've never seen and I wouldn't know their face in the street. So... And do you yeah. find that weird or do you kind of just accept that's the way it is? kind of like it because I'm a hermit, so I'm cool with it, to be honest. In my recent memory, it's it's yep. almost like you have been the poster designer. You know, when I set I up Poster what, Spy, what was that? What does that mean? What, the poster designer. The? Oh, well, no, I, I, I've, in, got a, I've got that on my Twitter. I make the, I make the, the movie posters. I make yeah. the movie posters. That's no, what I mean joke. is that, you know, I set up Poster Spy 2013 and back then you were doing some stuff as well. And it's almost like while I've been doing it, your career has been progressing as well. So in my memory, it's like you have been making posters for all this time. Mm. But that's obviously not true. What were you doing before you were the movie poster guy, as you've put it on your Twitter? I worked in a shop. I worked in HMV selling records. Now, well, it was CDs and then records obviously have come back in since because obviously that's what people want. Yeah, I worked in a shop. Then I did this. And obviously that's a huge change in career. Did yep. you ever, you know, think that you'd be at this point? I mean, I'm guessing you didn't. Uh, no, I did want to be married 
and um, not working at HMV by the time I was 30. And I was working at HMV like when I turned 30. Uh, so then in that, my 30th year is when I quit because I was like, I've got it. I said, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm off. And so I left. And when you made that transition, did you have in mind like, okay, that's it. I'm going to draw every single day until I'm Matt Ferguson, the Ferg poster artist? Uh, not really. I'd done a few things. I'd done some Avengers artwork and stuff. So before I left HMV, I'd already done a few things and was starting to have work recognized. I left HMV in 2014. And then two weeks after I left, I got Guardians of the Galaxy. And I did like nine posters for that. And it basically saved my bacon. And, and really cemented my sort of association with Marvel and working with those guys and loving it. And just, so, so how did that come about, though? How did they, did they just see your work and they said, we want this yeah. guy to make some posters? Yeah. That's exactly what happened. They just emailed him and said, do some posters. And I went, all right. And- so fast forward to now, and you've probably made like what? Like probably 100 Marvel posters at this point. Yeah. So quite, <laughs> you say that with. <laughs> I've made a lot of posters, yeah. Do you find making that many, it's difficult to come up with like a unique concept, especially when you're dealing with heroes and, you know, that essentially movie to movie. Yeah, well, a similar. little bit, a little bit like the movies, I go through phases. So I've noticed, this is something I've noticed, some artists, really famous artists, you know, like top tier mega millionaire type people. They'll do the same thing again and again and again because they've hit something that strikes a nerve. And uh, so you do it again because you go, well, that was popular. So I've done that. I mean, you're not, I'm not stupid. I'm going to do something that people like. So I've done Minimalist because that was very popular for a while. I've done the Dutch Angles. I was the Dutch Angle guy for a while, which is when everything's obviously skewed. And uh, but I get bored, so then I change it up. So that's like the phases, and I'm currently in a different phase doing stuff, and I'm bored again. So I'm going to come up with something else at some point soon. And usually, how long, how many posters will you make in that style before you start to feel that sort of fatigue? I don't really know, to be honest. Um, the thing is, is when you do commercial work, you get asked to do stuff in a certain way, in a certain style. So, um. I might get asked to do an illustrated poster like in a certain style. Most of the time, to be honest, I get asked to do it in my style and they'll show something I've done and go like that, which is why you get stuff repeated because obviously, well, not exactly repeated, but a similar compositional style and stuff because they've gone, can you make it like that? Because we like that and other people like that. And but then you- I get bored. So then I'm just going to have to just on my off the seat of my own pants, come up with something different or rip somebody else off you know just rip, rip them around stuff <laughs> will, they, will, will we get like a matte spray paint goes completely completely wild phase do you think that'll happen <laughs> i don't know i'm looking at a lot of polish posters at the moment so i'm okay. thinking maybe like surreal weird film posters might be fun you mentioned when you work on a marvel poster that you get a lot of sort of direction from them they'll say do something like this or we really like what you did before but when it comes to actual the artwork do you get a lot of freedom outside of that i i get i get a hundred percent freedom so at the beginning they'll say obviously you're looking at the trailer you're looking at 
um, assets and certain things, and there's they might be like, wait, obviously for Black Panther, you're going to have the Black Panther on there. If you didn't, you'd be an idiot because it's a film poster for Black Panther. Um, so it's kind of like you fit into that mold, and you, especially if you, after you've done it quite a few times, you kind of know what they like and they know what you like, and then you can sort of in that track go off a little to the left, a little to the right and do something different. So like this year I did the, a Doctor Strange poster and I was like, I think I want to do something a little bit different and use lots of negative space and have just the character and the glass. And I noticed, you know, that a lot of my posters are quite dark and um, moody, especially Marvel ones and stuff. And I wanted to do something that was light, even though it was for the, like a horror movie, essentially in the Marvel universe, because I thought it might stick out from the crowd. So that's the kind of thing I do, isn't it? Well, I think a lot of artists will probably look at your work and say, God, I don't know how he does so, you know, so many. Because even just thinking about how many you do tires me out, right? The, the, the idea of how many you work on. And I remember a few years ago we spoke, we were speaking and you were saying that you were just sort of like, not exhausted, but you were just really sort of, you needed a bit of a break. Yeah. And and how do you feel that affects your creativity, if at all? Uh, well, it doesn't, I don't think, because it's a job at the end of the day. It's become my job. So um, I have to be creative and I have to come up with stuff. Otherwise, I'm, I'd not be relevant. It is exhausting, but then again, that's work, isn't it? I didn't used to have grey hair. I've got grey hair now. I'm pretty sure that's because of working so hard. I've got a few. Yeah, uh, but no, um, <laughs> let me just think about this for a second. So when you be, to be creative is, is a sort of nebulous thing and you can't really pigeonhole it and you've got to, you do have to have time to come up with an idea, but also perversely, if you've not got time and you're running by the seat of your pants, you can be like, I've got no time. I've just got to come up with something. And then you can come up with something that's like actually really good. And a lot of the things that uh, people that people seem to really like of mine are when I've had no time and I've just had to just go crazy. It's, it's like the Drew Struzan thing. My favorite Drew Struzan poster, I mean, people who are listening who don't know Drew Struzan is he's an 80s movie poster designer. He did the poster for The Thing, the 1982 John Carpenter movie, which is one of my favorite movies. Anyway, that's an aside. Uh, he had like a week to do it and or less. And he did a really crazy quick rough. He he hadn't even seen the film. He just knew it was in the cold. So he did the the Parker, which is, there's nothing in the film like that. Anyway, he sent it over and they had no choice because they had like a week. So they went, okay, that's the poster, do that. And then he painted it in like a day. And I think it's one of the best movie posters ever. Have you had a piece like that where you've had like no time and then it's ended up being like a hit? Uh, Empire Strikes Back was quite, a curtailed um development time and then i did one years and years ago now for stranger things but there would the the thing with that it wasn't like a limit on time because of clients or anything it's because the program had just exploded and it was so popular and i came up with the this idea for a picture and i knew someone else was going to do it so i had to make it to beat everybody to the chase and put it online <laughs> So that's that. That was the other thing. Like you're in a race sometimes. I came up with a really, really good 
um, concept for Jaws once, which was the Jaws in the in the window, the skeletal Jaws of the shark, and then the boat when it goes away, which is that shot in the movie. And I was going to submit it as a concept. And then literally the next week, uh, Phantom City Creative come out with it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, as you were describing yeah. that, I was like, that seems familiar. Yeah, I've, I've, seen, that I've seen that. But it's <laughs> such a good idea. It's, it, when there's an idea like that for a composition or something, especially with a poster, people come up with with similar ideas all the time. Do you feel that kind of pressure? I mean, the thing is, when you first started making posters, and even like a, f- a few years ago, there was not this many people making poster art. I mean, there was still a lot of people doing stuff, whether or not it was fans or official stuff, but yeah. not not to the extent now. Do you I feel know, that I, I ignore everybody? So you just you just kind of stay in your own bubble, just make what yeah. you want to make, and that's it. Don't worry <laughs> don't, about anyone else. I don't. I own Vice <laughs> Press, so I work with a lot of artists and stuff as well. So yeah, no, I'm just being silly. Um, yeah, nah. Yeah, no, no. you don't. You don't feel that pressure, sort of thinking, "Oh, I've got to get this idea out first before the anyone pressure, else." Pressure. Only the only pressure I feel with my work is is topping what I've already done before, and and trying to when you've had something that's a really big hit, trying to replicate that, but not just doing the exact same thing again. Well, I, I'd say that's a good thing to take on board for other artists, right? Not trying to top everyone else, trying to top yourself, and that way you're not kind of competing all the time. Who cares with about what other people do? Screw. Them. Well, I think a lot of sort of beginner artists worry, don't they? They think, you know, am I keeping up with everyone else? Is my a lot of people worry about their style as well? Like if their well, style is popular. This is a this is this comes down to an education thing. Okay, so I failed art at school, and I did go to college and do art for about two weeks, but I didn't like it, so I quit. Um, and I think if you if you're taught at school and you learn things about ways of doing things, blah 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 blah, then you can quite easily fall into a trap of thinking there's a way you should do things. I don't think there's any way you should do things. You should just do what works. I don't care if it's photo, collage, traced, three D, painted, drawn, pencils, whatever. If the end result is good, it's a bit like like. Uh, uh, a modern artist like for example like Damien Hirst like people would say would belittle him for doing the formaldehyde cow thing but nobody else had done that and it's a brilliant visual it's an, it's an incredible visual nobody else did it and he wasn't following any rules when he did that because obviously people were like what the hell's going on here so I, I think it's important to not fall into the trap of following rules even though I follow my rules all the time because there's rules. <laughs> there is rules, but you've probably sort of set your own, right? In your own sort of boundaries of your own creative work. You've, you you must have your own sort of rules and styles. There's whereas, ways of doing things. And yeah. you think about how you're telling a story with the poster, which is kind of like my... Something I think about is how is this telling a story? Because you, you, a, a film poster, especially if you're doing it commercially, is selling a story. So I feel the best ones are intriguing and they tell a story in some form and lead you in. Yeah, I completely agree. So it's like your Goodfellas poster that you've just, um, just I did. Released. That wasn't me. That was Flory. Oh, it wasn't you at all? Uh, I, he, well, it was, it was both of us together, but he did the bulk of the work on it, on that one. Okay, well, tell me a little bit about your and Flory's relationship, because you do oh, have... He's, he's, honestly, he's, he's so annoying, were <laughs> Stupid Australian. I mean, uh, he's really hard work. Lazy. 
Can't draw for shit. Just, you know, honestly, I don't know why I work with him. Well, now you need to say that you I'm not going to say anything else. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You know, that's it. He doesn't even get anything on this podcast. That's it. No, he knows. He knows his place. <laughs> Good little jerk. <laughs> no, um, honestly, since I've been sort of associating with that um, asshole, it's kind of been really good in a way, to be honest, like my life and career with work, because it's good to have another artist to bounce off. I bounce off with other artists as well, other than Floyd, but we sort of fell into this back and forth uh, a few years ago. Um, And then we have a similar way of thinking about things, I think. And I, I, I always really liked his artwork. I always just thought he could be more elaborate or, or, or just, not be so set in this style of cell shaded sort of thing. So I, when he was working for us at Vice Press, I always used to push him to be like, not like that. I'd be like, just go, 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 go. And uh, he pushes me in the same way. Looking then at that Goodfellas piece, because I obviously, well, not incorrectly said that it was yours because on, on the, the um, landing page, you know, it says artist, Matt Ferguson and Flory. My How name's bigger, probably. Your name is first. <laughs> it's first. That's that's why I was kind of like, that's, you know, how does this work? Be. Of course, yeah. Who's the boss? <laughs> so, well, so looking at that poster then, how does that collaboration between you two work? Like, did you do, did you both work on the illustration? Or how? Yeah, yeah. So we talk to the client, obviously, in this case, it's mm, Warner Brothers or Universal. They're both in on this. So those guys. And we say, what do you want? And they go, we want you to do an illustrated piece that's a new cover. Then we talk about it and we talk about the film. If we've not seen the film in a long time, we watch the film. And then it's like a visual thing. And then like, so we both go off and do that. And we both came, on this case, we both came back and said, we like the thing with the, the car and the red light. But we initially wanted them actually burying the body, dig in. Because I, I, I thought that was really cool, that bit, when they're all like disheveled and... It's not such a glamorous life being a gangster after all. Um, but that was deemed a bit too horrific. So then we said, how about Robert Nero shooting somebody in the boot? And they went, yeah, that's fine. So that's Yeah, the, the burying bit is yeah, not yeah. an issue, but the, the knife and the shooting, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So that's what we <laughs> went with. Um, and then, like, Flory roughed it up. I roughed it up a bit as well with, like, some trees and stuff. And then when it came to the illustration... Flory did the characters and the ground and stuff. I'm sorted out the car in 3D because it's nice to have a bit of 3D modeling to get perspective right. And I did some trees. I just nicked the trees that I'd already done for Evil Dead uh, and put them in. Trees is trees, you know, what you can do. Um, And then, you know, you mush it all together. Then bit back and forth and the studio go you can't have likeness so then you make them more silhouetted and change the background and stuff and poster i like your point about the trees working working smart not hard right i reuse that i reuse stuff i've made all the time all the time if i've made an ocean i've made it once so you might as well just copy and paste it onto everything with an ocean going forward right i ain't got time for that well i think that's actually good i think more people should take that sort of stance because i think a lot of people try and push themselves to do a lot of different things over and over again well the reality is like what you're saying 
if you've clouds got a quick, clouds. Yeah, if you've got a quick deadline and you need to get some work out there, just reuse assets. Why not? Yeah. Fully. Looking at that then, that's kind of what you were saying about the whole story thing. Because when I saw that poster, I was like, I think that's yeah. the scene that everyone recognizes. The scene everyone goes, I remember that scene right from the beginning of the movie, right? Yeah, and you have the tagline. You always want yep. it to be a gangster. And then, boom, right below, it's murdering somebody in a boot and burying them in the middle of nowhere. It's not actually that glamorous, is it, Ray Liotta? You got it wrong. So that's the story. <laughs> it's one of the first Goodfellas posters that I've really looked at and gone that sort of encapsulates the film because a lot of people go with like the faces or like a particular, I don't know, setup of the three, which mm. is almost like the original key art. Whereas I feel like this is one of the few that is quite unique and tells that story. Like you said. Yeah. Well, again, we didn't, we don't think about anything else. We don't look at what anybody else has done when we're working on this stuff. The other interesting thing is it's not something, it's not a title that's done very often by poster companies and things mm -hmm. because it's not necessarily like that sort of cultish sci-fi fantasy blah 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 stuff you know it's not batman is it um so it was a this this vault series with the blu-rays is sort of like a chance to do some stuff that's not necessarily done very often and that's quite refreshing we have worked on like a ton of huge IPs, you know, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Stranger Things, mm. the MCU, like the list probably goes on and on and on. Is there like a secret bucket list IP that you've you've wanted to do, but you've not been able to because it's not very well, popular? It's not so much a secret. Um, I have worked on Star Trek before years ago, right at the beginning of my career, when I was still at HMV, actually. Um, so the artwork is terrible. People can look it up if you want. and It's shit because I was not very good back then. But I would like to do Star Trek again. I was actively pursuing everybody at Paramount and everybody involved with the recent 44K director's cut of the first Star Trek movie. So I really wanted to do the artwork for it. I've got a really good idea, a really good, solid sort of uh, conceptual piece of artwork that I would have done. But I had discussions with them. Paramount is weird. I've never really worked with Paramount. I've talked to them a few times. I've talked to them about Bumblebee when that came out. I wanted to do some really cool artwork for that that was going to be like 80s toy box artwork. One of the things I did think when, you know, I was sort of preparing for this whole this whole chat was that a lot of artists would look at you and kind of say, he's done so many properties, he can probably just do whatever he wants, right? But obviously that's not true. That you, you know, you just said yourself, you've pitched this stuff to Paramount and nothing really came of it. Do you actually still actively go out a lot and pitch stuff now, or are you kind of you don't you don't bother now? No, I, the Star Trek was a, a sort of a one special off. one off because I really wanted to do it, so I was quite unashamed in that, and uh, that probably put them off wanting to work with me. To be honest, because I was like very obnoxiously loud about wanting to work on it, so I don't bl I don't blame them to be honest, because I would have probably also then been like. This is how it's got to be. Because I'm very close to it. And sometimes when you're very close to something, it, it, it's hard to um, actually do it justice. So Because you get a bit of a tunnel vision, right? It, it, yeah, think. it might not have actually worked out very well in the end, to be honest. So fair play, Paramount. They probably thought, who is this not ball? Or it could have been Paramount's biggest loss ever. Like It could have been a great project. Maybe. Maybe. I'll never know. 
So I want, I want to ask as well about your sort of branding. So you've got this kind of branding with the unicorn thing going on, right? And you've had that for a long time. And for people mm -hmm. who may be quite new to your work, you used to put little unicorns into your posters as well. Little I had a unicorn in every poster ever that I've ever done, apart from the ones that I forgot to do it. Was that sort of idea planned over time? Did you want to do that and then it become the Matt Ferguson unicorn? It'd be the thing people know you for? Well, I don't know. I just wanted to have a little stamp of something, me. And I liked that unicorn and I, and I felt like it was something I could hide in there. Has there been one you've like snuck in that's been really cheeky that you, you know is just so blatant? Not really. I always make the, try to make them quite very secretive and hard to find. Really tiny as well. Sometimes really, really tiny. I bet there's like a slight bit of satisfaction with that though, right? Just knowing that it's somewhere. Someone yeah. might find it one the day. The only annoying thing is, is that I did the, uh, for my own art show a few years ago, the Amblin art show, I did the Back to the Future trilogy. And for some reason, I was probably, I don't know, drunk. I didn't put the unicorn on Back to the Future 1. I put it on part two and part three and just didn't do it on the first one. That's it. You'll be regretting that forever. Yeah, I also kind of like the thought of people trying to find it still and not being able to find it. Giving away the secret now, that's it. They know now. Obviously, we've, we've mentioned how your career sort of, well, it took off very quickly, really. You did those Marvel pieces and then it was sort yeah. of Marvel, Marvel, and then everything else we see now. I've kind of been very, very lucky, and that is something that people don't talk about, I don't think, very much. Uh, successful artists go, you know, hard work and talent and blah, blah, blah. But also, look, I've been so lucky to work with these people, making the Marvel movies, working with uh, Bottleneck Gallery on things, and the fact that people want to work with me and want me to make artwork is quite surprising, really. And I'm very lucky. I've also been incredibly busy nonstop, so I don't have time to think about like uh, what's next most of the time. It just lands in the inbox and you're like, all right, I've got some time for that. <laughs> yeah, usually. But that's just luck. I'm just lucky. Really lucky. Well, I think it's, it's, it's nice as well that you are quite open with the community and you do engage with people because obviously some, some people, not necessarily artists, but people in the world, once they get to a certain uh, level, they don't really want to give back and they want to just sort no, of... No, I just think it's nonsense. You know. It's not the way I was brought up. I was brought up um, by a couple of hippy-dippy Quakers, <laughs> my mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it, that's it. That's it. <laughs> the end of that yeah, story. They, they know who they are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but to be uh, generous with my time and try and help other people wherever I can. And that sort of feeds through into how I want to be in life. So I don't want to make my posters or artwork inaccessible. So I'm not going to start charging more money for them ever. And I don't want to be like such an aloof arsehole that I would be like uh, charging for a signature on something. I'll sign anything. I'll sign other people's artwork if they really want me to. Okay. Um, it's. I just think um, at the end of the day, it's not that important. It, I know it's important to people because people love these things and they love films, but it's entertainment, and I think um, it's, it's better to make it accessible to as many people as possible. Well, I think that is one of the. I wouldn't say one of the 
issues with uh, the you know screen print collecting world but it is in a way there's a lot of people who for example when you know mondo released a poster and people can't ever seem to get it apparently according to facebook um you know there's a lot of upset there and and it's a shame that there's there is an element of me and james were speaking about this on the podcast that part of what's nice about this scene is that collectivity and the limited edition sense of everything but at the same time like you're saying having that limited availability does make it quite difficult for a lot of people who one might not be able to like afford to get it if it's coming out at a certain time mm. or you know if there's just such a limited run they can't get it so it's nice what you do with uh vice press as well with the sort of open editions i think that's a really good way to get out in front of people. yeah that's there's that but also like in today's world obviously people live digitally i'm not talking about nfts or nonsense like that because that's just crap i mean people will have a, a poster i've done as their wallpaper on their phone and that's just as important to me that they like my poster enough to have it in their on as their wallpaper when they turn their phone on as them buying poster. Although now I've said that, I still have bills to pay, so please buy all the posters as well. Do you know what I mean? For me, I've never made posters. I started off making this stuff for myself. Mm-hmm. I put it online because it kind of like what else was I going to do? And people liked it, but when I make something for a film or whatever, really, I'm not making it for collectors. I'm making it for people who like that thing. So if I make a Jurassic Park poster, I'm making it for Jurassic Park fans and uh, not the collectors who are all, I can't stand people that are gatekeepers on stuff. It's like any kind of fandom, really. You're not a real fan because you weren't born when Star Wars came out or this or that or the other. It's nonsense. I don't care. People can like whatever they like, and as long as you don't tell other people what they can and can't like, it's fine. Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, I'm getting flashbacks of, like, The Last Jedi days. Oh, no. Well, there's, I really like that movie, and there's lots of people that didn't, and that, they're allowed to not like it, but when they then launch, when people launch into an attack on somebody for not, like, for not liking something or liking something, like a personal attack, it's just, it's just senseless, it's pointless. I do remember actually when that happened at the time when that film came out. I remember a lot of your, well, you were very much outspoken in terms of the support for the film. And yeah. obviously, that's nothing to do with posters, but it is important. I think the fan dums online with social media, it's just become very hard to handle <laughs> in, in 2022. And, you know, well, it's I, so regimented. It's sort of like James Gunn is a pariah because he's gone off to DC, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, but both can exist. Yeah, in the same space. I like DC movies. I like Marvel movies. I like good movies. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if he makes good DC movies, why are people complaining about it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's weird, and it's difficult, I think, as well. Not just for people like that, but even you know yourself, even for me, being in a world where you run a business that exists within fandoms and pop culture yeah. and whatever, it can be difficult to navigate that. Honest criticism is fine, like if it's like a good criticism. This composition, uh, blah, 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 whatever, I don't like it. Or worse, if you do something and it's inaccurate in some way, that's like, okay, you caught that, fine. But people are just like, I hate that. It's just like, well, don't buy it then. You are at a stage now where, like you said, a lot of it just comes freely. There's, There's not as much promotion you need to do these days, right? Well, I don't know. I put my artwork online. 
Um, it gets shared by people. I don't know. I don't know what level I'm at. Well, I think a lot of artists do sort of, you know, they, they want to try and be at your level, I think. I'm not at a level. I'm just working. The thing is, is, is uh, I've said this about my own company and stuff. I want things to be organic because I sort of fell into this job and it was organic. It wasn't sort of planned. And the way I do things is very slapdash in a way. And I don't think people should plan. I don't think they should do promotion. They should just do what feels right. So if that includes doing promotion or, or self-promotion, then that's fine, obviously, because that's what feels right. But I think people are more intelligent than they're given credit for, and they can sense when something is genuine. So I try to just be genuine because I don't want people to think I'm some kind of fake. I get. I mean, I I said I love She Hulk, for example, and people are like, "How much did you get paid to say this?" <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> "Nothing. I just liked it. It was good." <laughs> but do you think an artist or anyone really could could sort of exist? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of industries that can exist without social media. But particularly in what you're doing, do you think you would be at this point without social media? No way, Jose. Because before social media came along, uh, you know, ten a decade ago, a bit longer ago, um people who did movie posters that nobody knew who they were did they it wasn't like that it was like you know people knew a drew struzan poster i knew drew struzan posters because you can tell the art style but you didn't know the artist but now it sort of comes back onto the artist and even more so uh, film studios and other people will leverage that because it's coming from a real person and that's something that you can't really buy because if an artwork from a studio is just a generic piece of artwork people are like that's a fine poster but if it's been made by somebody who likes the thing who cares about the thing as much as you the audience then they i think react to it more positively and strongly part of the reason i wanted to get you on this podcast is because you do have a lot of insight into the industry and you've been working in it for so long now i haven't though it doesn't feel like that to me i feel new and fresh and have no idea what's going on so i don't feel like that but do go on let me just go back to that because that's an interesting perspective everyone i've spoken to so far and most people i speak to it feels like everyone is just winging it do you feel that's the case for you you feel that that's kind of what you're doing you just no idea what you're doing no just try and do what feels right and do the best I can. That's all I do. That's probably something a lot of people need to hear. Because I think, like you said earlier, a lot of people have this kind of plan or they try to plan for where they want to be and what they want to be doing. But the reality is, is it well, is probably just a case of winging it. <laughs> I think you'd end up depressed because you'd look at people that fake it and that pretend their lives are amazing or that they're great or that they've done something amazing. It's like that person that had the blood machine that could read all of your blood and save millions of lives but then it turned out it's fake (laughs) and she's a criminal don't (laughs) fake it because people it'll why just be honest be transparent and uh be yourself people can tell i can always tell like a knobhead a mile away honestly that might be me (laughs) i might be not you you've just got like blinkers on yeah more than likely Mm. a lot of people have especially now this sort of uh superhero fatigue not just about the mcu but you know in general in cinema yeah do you feel being someone that's done so many mcu posters that you almost have like an mcu fatigue design wise no not really because i can 
always try and change it up and see how they feel about some wild Polish stuff, exploding heads and stuff. The thing is, is I think there's recent ones, although some of the fans have been very vocal about their dislike for them, have been more interesting and, and different. And I think Kevin Feige knows to be, or whoever's working on them, knows to be more interesting and different. So they're doing some strange things that that might rub people up the wrong way. Well, I think the benefit of hindsight, it might be a bit like, oh, because I thought that the new Doctor Strange was incredibly interesting compared to other ones. It just felt weird. And the Thor, the new Thor movie, is it's like a Flash Gordon film. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Could not take it seriously. Um, and it was like a bit mad in, in a way that they made that. But I thought it was great because it was insane. It was just stupid. He's an idiot. Thor was just a complete moron. I thought it was, that was like, well, okay. You know what? I've not actually seen that movie yet. I, it's great fun. It's like, a, it's like Flash Gordon. If you go in thinking the 1980s Flash Gordon movie, then you have a great time with it. It's, it's, he even says in the movie, like at the beginning, he's like another classic Thor adventure in a really sort of throwaway way. And it's just like, okay, yeah, throw away. But that's different to the, because it used to be all a stepping stone to something else and this and that, blah, blah, blah. And that can get boring. So now they're doing different things. The thing I do find quite interesting about your work, actually, is the fact that when you started, you weren't doing so many 3D things. And then before that, there wasn't as much illustration. So over time, it's gone from being like you had the minimalist stuff to being the illustration yeah. stuff to then adding in the 3D stuff. But what you've managed to do, which I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to do, is it's hard to tell. So like with the is Goodfellas it? poster, right, 100%. With the Goodfellas poster, you said that that car was 3D. Yeah. There's no way I'd have known that. To me, it just looked like one of your typical illustrations. Well, you just got to try and make it look right to your eye and make it as good as possible. And whatever technique you use to get there, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. There's, uh, not even the slightest. I feel like that's an area, though, where you're not giving yourself a lot of credit because I think a lot of artists might struggle with what you've done there. Yeah, but I've got the, I've got the sort of um, privilege of time on on an experience that I've been doing it for a long time because I've been drawing pictures since I was six, five, well, probably younger, obviously, but when I couldn't draw. But like I was, I don't want to say it, but I was a bit of a, you know, I was good at drawing as a very young age. You know, people were a bit like, oh, he can draw. He's only little. Um, so... I don't know. It's kind of like being able to look at something critically and go, that's not right. And then keep on working at it until it looks right to your eye. And I guess some people go, that looks right now. And then they go, it's finished and it's not, and it's not right. None of, none of, none of the stuff I do is look, it looks finished to me. I think it's all awful. Well, you always shared that tip, didn't you? Well, not always shared, but you shared that tip where you, uh, zoom out a lot so all you see yeah. is like a tiny little thumbnail right i tell everybody do the do the stamp test make it stamp sized or the phone test make it small and any sort of compositional things that don't look right will just jump out straight away 
Well, since you mentioned that, I've been doing it with all of my sort of like book layouts and stuff. And it is actually a really helpful tip because when you see it full screen, you do have those like blinkered eyes, right? You just look at something and you, you go... get engrossed oh, in the fine. details, but then you full out and it just looks like crap and the details don't matter. We're going to see a lot of people now using their control minus keys and getting their tiny posters. Yeah. Well, one thing I did want to ask you is that um, from an outsider looking in, it seems like you, Vice Press, your client work and everything is all very well managed. But considering you do so much work, <laughs> how do you actually manage that? Because seeing what you do, you know, I've said earlier on all the posters you do tires me out just thinking about it, but also running a business as well. I mean, you, you work incredibly hard. I do, but also, um, you know, I have people I work with. So be that other artists or James who runs Vice Press with me or my wife, for example. Um, so because I'm not a very organized person, but I don't think I could be creative if I was organized because stuff just flies at you willy-nilly and you just have an idea and then you that's it you're done I, what, what do i say i say i'm on the jazz i say to my wife i'm on the jazz now and what does that and mean I, i'm on i just go whoosh. it's from the a team when uh, hannibal this is for old people now obviously because nobody nobody knows what the a team is i do when i used to love it fine when hannibal has his idea then um ba would say he's on the jazz because he would be like He's got his thing. He's going to sort this out. So I get on the jazz and then that's when I'm like, you get into a flow and then you work in and, and to be able to do that is quite like, um, again, it's like a privilege for me in a way because I can do that and ignore the whole world. It's the only way I can do it is to just, just put everything else out of my mind and work. One thing I did want to talk about is with running vice press with James. Yeah. I spoke to him a little bit about your responsibilities and he said they were sort of like 50-50 and you guys kind of work at things. They're not, you're shaking your head. So <laughs> not 50-50 now. James is like the sort of gristle of vice press. He's sort of like the doer and he gets things sorted out and he organizes. And I come in and sort of kick stuff over and go, Meh. <laughs> that like is the penguin i just come in like the penguin and sort of say like that's stupid what are you doing that for and things like that and he just he's just like Ugh. but it's a yin and yang thing with me and james and he's incredible organizing and having good ideas and thinking forward about what's next whereas i'm very much in the moment and what i can do is obviously sort of have a a dickhead opinion on on artwork that's come in and whether it's good or not so my takeaway from this so far has been that you <laughs> you're the unorganized one is unorganized disorganized disorganized extremely one. yeah one out of the two and yet he's the one that kind of streamlines everything yeah and then you, you meet in the middle and it works out it's so weird because like we're very different but we're very similar in a lot of ways we're like sort of yeah, best mates. And so then that, I guess, tr traditionally could be sort of like seen as a sort of a, a barrier to running a business or whatever. You shouldn't do business with mates or whatever. But the key is just is, is honesty and openness and just being like, no, I don't want to do that. Or 
we should do this or this is my opinion and that's kind of how it works at Vice Press just like punch ups all the time and do you take that's criticism what I do. do you take criticism well as an artist or do you find uh, you don't what happens when I get criticism usually is is a, a big F you I'll show you so if somebody says something that's critical uh whoever it is i'll be like oh really and and then it drives me to to show them um that they're wrong and that i can do better i've always been like that my entire life and do you think i I thrive on criticism to be honest like it needs to be there i i know that a lot of artists when they first start out they're very well, you said you don't really take criticism all too well, but obviously you do take it to a degree and you do work with James, you know, to like collaborate on things and with Flory as well. You have that. Um, I think a lot, a lot of artists need to open up a bit more to criticism and allow people to, yeah. you know, tell them There's what is good and wrong with getting angry at the criticism and saying like, I don't agree with you as long as you can back it up with something to show them that they're wrong. Whereas if you just take the criticism, argue about it, and then don't do anything. Yeah. But that's like, it's like, it feeds it feeds me. It feeds me when people criticize me. So the stress and the, yeah. <laughs> and the criticism. It's like, what, what do you mean? And then, and then I might, you might calm down a bit afterwards and think, oh, maybe they have a point in a way, you know, maybe they have a point. But, you know, it's kind of like that. Um, it's definitely, I'll show you. That's like the story of my life is I'll show you. People say I can't do something. Oh, really? Can't I? I'll show you. Is there a poster you've worked on that like rings a bell when you talk about that? It's all just a mud. It's like that with everything. That's the thing, isn't it? You're showing off at the end. When you're making a piece of artwork and you're putting it online for people to see, you're showing off. You're going, look what I made. You wouldn't put it online otherwise, would you? You'd just make it for yourself and not show anybody. So uh, that, that the whole everything i've done that people have seen is me going look at this before online before whatever people just made stuff right because they either got hired yeah. or well that that would have been it you would have just hired to make something and you'd have done it right mm. whereas now essentially not only can anyone do something but everyone can think they're good at it yeah uh but it's like anything, though, the good stuff will rise up and, and or will become popular or people will like it for whatever weird reason. And back in the day, I guess artists or whatever would have an exhibition if they felt like they wanted to show off. They'd go, I've got an exhibition. Come and look at my stuff. Remember when you did one of those? <laughs> yeah, I was like, I want to show off. I want to show off everything I've done. Come and have a look. You mentioned the fact that artists who putting stuff out there just to get, you know, Essentially validation, right? Yeah. Isn't that why anybody does anything though, in a way? Well, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Do you online that? anyway? That's like why people post pictures of their fancy dinner because they want everyone to go, Oh wow, look at your fancy dinner. That's true. You know what? Years ago when that was a thing, I did that a few times and now I regret it so badly. I ah, don't regret it. Your dinner was good. If your dinner was good enough for you to show off your fancy dinner, then uh I'm all for it. I don't care. Probably wasn't. It was probably terrible. I probably <laughs> thought it was good and was like. Well, that's when you fall into a trap, isn't it? What I've talked about before in terms of uh, fallacy, falseness, uh, being fake, because 
you want to portray a certain kind of life that you're leading, which isn't true, which is pointless. If I was an artist listening to this, I think after listening to you, I'd be a lot more confident in what I was doing, you know, because I think so many people, no, 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 but so many people try to keep up with what's relevant, popular, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think what you're saying in a case of stepping back a little bit and just doing what you think is cool and right and what works for you is what a lot more, a lot of artists should be doing more. Well, of course, because it's like, I mean, I'm not saying I've come up with anything new because I haven't, but throughout history, when people come up with something new that's not been done before, whatever it is, it's because they weren't doing what everybody else was doing. So that's it, isn't it? Don't, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just focus on yourself and get things done. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway from this podcast, Matt. Don't think about what anyone else is doing no. and do what you want to do. Well, Matt, I think that brings me nicely to the end. It's a nice takeaway for people, right? Yeah. Focus I'm on. I'm going to have a takeaway. After this, I'm going to have Chinese. All right, Matt. Well, you go enjoy your takeaway. We'll catch up soon. Yeah. All right. Cheers, Matt. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Poster Spy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. You can help fund this series directly by supporting us on Patreon, where you'll also be given access to extended versions of each and every episode, discounts with our partners, and a whole lot more. Simply head over to patreon.com slash posterspy. If you're looking for daily design inspiration, visit posterspy.com and follow us on Twitter at posterspy for all of the latest updates.